0: Here's the host of the Talent Talk radio show, the founder and CEO of People G2,
1: Chris Dyer. Good afternoon and thank you for joining me here on Tuesday. It's uh, Talent Talk. It's 1 o'clock, so we're live here in Costa Mesa and we have two wonderful guests joining me in studio and even at the same time. So we're not even going to break this up like we normally do. We're having kind of a special show today, and we'll kind of dive into what that means here in a little bit. But let's kind of get through the, the beginning business here, and that is, you know, I have the kind of the privilege of meeting all kinds of inspiring people all the time, and um, one of them is Cecilia, who's sitting next to me, and we'll get to her in a second. And um, so as I get to meet these people, I usually like to ask them a lot of, you know, annoying questions about why they're successful and why they do the cool things that they do and try to learn from them. And so this show is really the kind of next generation of my annoying questions is let's let's have this on air. Let's let me ask them these things and see if and really see if we can take this to another level. Maybe we can share what we know to those people around us. And we think everyone who's sort of coming in and listening and being a part of the show kind of averaging about 10,000 people are downloading one of the podcasts every single day. And so really, really appreciate all the great support that everyone's doing. So don't forget, you can go to iTunes, you can go to iHeartRadio. You can find us there. You can tune in live on the, uh, tune in network. Uh, there's so many great ways you can find us, maybe TalentTalkRadio.com. There's, there's really no excuse not to, to listen to any of the past shows, but let's go ahead and, uh, maybe, uh, kind of get to the show. Don't forget, if you have a question, feel free to, uh, uh, send it to us on Twitter. You can just pop in that question, add at PeopleG2. Hopefully you have enough room to add in the hashtag Talent Talk. That way my producer Mike can find it, and he will shoot it over to me, um, and we'll try to ask uh, our guests the questions if you get us in live. If you don't get us live, because most of you get us after the fact, I'm sure our guests will be happy to answer any questions you have on Twitter afterwards. So. Speaking of my guests, uh, today we have Cecilia Gorman. Uh, she's the owner of creative talent partners. And then we have a uh, Chelsea, uh, Sabo. I said it right. Yes. <laughs> yes. All right. Uh, I've been working on that all, all day. Um, She's a life and career coach uh, for professional women at Verbal Courage. But the two of them have come together on a new project called Empowership, and we're going to find out about that here over the next hour, and we'll be kind of going through the show. So first and foremost, uh, Cecilia and Chelsea, welcome. Thanks,
2: Chris. Thanks Thanks for having us. Excited to be here. Yeah,
1: I'm really glad. So we are Facebook-living this right now, so if you happen to to be on uh, Facebook, we're video live right now with that. You can go to OC Talk Radio and find it. I think we might also be sharing it on uh, People G 2 as well. So uh, go ahead and find us there as well. You can see what we actually look like. Um, <laughs> you know, that's... Today it's a good thing because we have two lovely ladies with us, so it's a good thing. And sometimes my guests are, are as uglier than I am, so it's not a good thing to turn in the video. But well, let's let's start with you, Cecilia. Why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself, about, about your core business, and kind of what you're doing, and then we'll give Chelsea an opportunity to do the same.
2: Oh, for sure. Thanks for having me, Chris. So I am Cecilia Gorman. I'm an ad agency training specialist. So I have spent over 20 years working in the advertising industry and just fell in love with, helping people and coaching people and tried to figure out how i could do that full-time so i launched my business about a year and a half ago it's called creative talent partners most of my work is coming from creatively minded companies places where employees are ideating and innovating on a regular basis and i go in and do anything from a one-off workshop to an extended program to employee coaching to keynote speaking but all revolving around um, developing employee potential in some capacity
1: that's great. And I'd love to use the word ideation or ideating. That's my favorite strength of my Gallup Strength oh, Renders bowl. Go. So yes. I tend to hire people that I have to work with creatively to have ideation as well. That's a really great strength. So, And uh, Chelsea, how about you?
3: Sure. So thanks for having us, Chris. Of course. We're very excited. I am a career and personal growth coach for women. I also do some speaking events, so webinars, workshops, but the, it's all anchored in helping women fully step into their authenticity and have their honest and confident voice. So it, it's all about really just owning who you are, maybe owning who you are a little bit more, caring a little less about pissing people off or, you know, right. fitting in and just really stepping in and taking your career to the next level.
1: Well that's great. So I know Chelsea last year you authored a survey which, you know, asked some women, uh, what does it take for you to thrive at work. And we'll get into some of the specifics of the survey in a second, but what was the general response to the survey? Were there some sort of general takeaways? Yeah, there, there,
3: there were actually a few, but one of the core takeaways and the, and the whole reason I started this survey was because I wanted to find out there was all of this talk about outside factors holding women back from succeeding, whether it was they didn't have a seat at the table, there wasn't equal pay, it's a boys club, especially in the advertising industry, which right. you know I had 10-year background in. Um, so, But what I was finding in my coaching was a little bit different, that it was the individual woman that was holding herself back or hurdles and struggles. So the whole kind of goal of it was to see, am I right? Is this more of a factor, at least a driving factor? And and that was echoed through the results. So I think that the biggest takeaway is, you know, one in, one in three women did not identify as thriving. And basically one in three women also said it was their own inner critic holding them back from thriving. And...
1: And have you looked at this as this, um, is it a woman specific, um, experience that you're seeing here or are you just sort of tackling this through one be one segment of the workforce? I mean, do you think you would have seen some of these maybe similar answers at some level for men as well?
3: Oh, I'm sure. And I've, I've coached men as well. Uh, my. Coaching. I've been coaching for about five years, and it just so happened the target audience that keeps right. showing up for me is women. And, and that's what I'm following, and that's what I'm passionate about. But hands down, I I've, I've absolutely think men struggle with it. I just haven't done the research to know if it's identical.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure it's different. I'm, I'm just wondering, there was obviously some similarities there as well. Absolutely. I mean, are not... Um, uniquely only a problem that women may deal with. So, so the results identified five areas that women say there are hurdles for them and kind of having a thriving career. So can you talk about what those five areas were?
3: So the thrives, um, the five areas that we identified are, are not really hurdles they're the formula for thriving. Okay. So they're the five components that we've found that when people either described women who are thriving or described times when then themselves they were thriving, the themes that kept coming up. And the first one is authenticity So this idea of really believing in who you are and showing up that way and not being afraid of how others are going to perceive you. Mm -hmm. So having a role that you feel like you can do that. The other one was the sense of community where there's mentorship and support and camaraderie and everybody's working towards the same goal and supporting one another. The other one was this idea of there's an even exchange for the work you're doing in your salary and the perks and your company's taking care of you. Right. One of the leading ones that just kept coming up over and over was appreciation and the idea that not only your boss, but the people you work with really f- make you feel like what you're doing means something and you're appreciated and they say thank you and such. And then the last piece is that you're finding meaning in the work you do every day. So th- right. those were the core pieces that when somebody has those in their lives and, and more specifically in their profession, they have reached that level or identify as thriving.
1: And so, Cecilia, since you kind of came into this joint venture with her, I'm imagining you had some reactions or some connection then to what you were seeing from the results from the survey.
2: Oh, absolutely. I think what the what the survey did is it just validated Things that we know to be true, but whether or not we pay attention to them to the level of I'm going to do something about it. Right. So to to have a resounding number of women say, here's where I struggle. And if I wasn't going to struggle and I really start to describe someone who's thriving, this is what it looks like. This is what it shows up as. So it was it was really just a validation of that. And then it led us to the question of, OK, what now? <laughs> like, right. we've got this information. People have told us now. Now, what do we do about it?
1: And were there any surprises for either of you on the survey? Uh, th- maybe any of the five or any other data points that came up that you really you thought, oh, I didn't, I didn't see that one coming.
3: I think for me, one of the biggest pieces was just the desire and need for mentorship and the feeling that it doesn't necessarily exist right now, especially among women. Of our survey respondents that said they were not thriving. 80% of them said that the women at their company don't, you know, in executive positions, don't mentor those below them. And that, for me, that was a shocker. I just, you know, I, I had heard that it wasn't there, but to have an 80% number on that is pretty significant.
1: Yeah, that seems surprising. We would, I guess we sort of make assumptions about the amount of mentorship in a company and that, that, where it might be coming from. So, but you're right. It, it does seem to be happening a lot less than we expect. And and it may be a surprise that maybe other women aren't helping other women or, Uh, in those roles to from a mentorship standpoint
3: yeah and and even more so that we found a direct link between individuals who did have mentors and the number of women that were thriving so it drastically increases your chances of thriving when you do have a mentor in your life and that's not specific to male or female but
1: right and you have two ideas there so you have the um, perception that they're thriving Right? So they believe they're thriving, whether they are or not. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is an important factor. The person feels like they're doing well. Absolutely. And then, of course, if you can show that they really are thriving, <laughs> yeah. they believe it and they really are doing it. And if that's coming from that mentorship from from other women for, for your particular segment that you guys are going after, that that's great. Yeah. So, Cecilia, you're kind of brought in this joint project and you're working and now it's called Empowership Can you talk about what the program really is? What is it designed for? And how do you hope that you can effectively empower women in the workplace?
2: Yeah, for sure. So when um, Chelsea uh, ended up with this data, and one of the key pieces was women aren't – I'm not being mentored. I'm not feeling that I'm mentored. The first question that came to me was how how can we turn mentorship upside down? So from my experience, either working at an agency or being in HR – Mentorship programs always start with great intentions. So when a company decides they want to have a formal mentorship program, everyone's into it. The people who are going to be mentored are excited. The people who are going to do the mentoring want to give back. And everyone goes into it with really high regard to how it's going to turn out. But it's extremely difficult to sustain. So you partner people up. They, they have their first meeting. And then people get busy and schedules get full. Um, or the person's uncomfortable really talking about the things they need to because they've been partnered with their boss's boss. So Empowership was born out of that question. How can we turn mentorship upside down? And how can we make it so it's easy for an HR director to support the women at their work? We don't want to add extra work for them. So it really became like, what if, what if we got all the women? <laughs> what if they turned them over to us and we mentored them for a year and we got... All sorts of content that addressed the issues that they said these are the challenges to meet thriving, we right. had a curriculum, and so the excitement becomes, wow, we could really touch every woman in a workplace that maybe isn't getting the kind of support that they need to it in, in the um, width of resources and then the depth of them.
1: So you went back and said, well, what's the good part about mentorship? Will they get mentored? Mm-hmm. And what's the bad part? Well, it's a lot of work for everybody. Yeah. So you removed that and made a business out of it. So Absolutely. That's, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> right. I love it. So I, I think I have a da- written down here, and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, that there are five parts of the program, mentorship, camaraderie, networking, training, and coaching. Did I get that right? Or am I wrong?
2: No, I I think that I mean that is a beautiful way to describe it and honestly we've we've had a tough time because first we called it a mentorship program. Mm-hmm. So when we were initially putting our thoughts on paper we said Empowership you know, is, it, is a new and progressive mentorship program. But then we kept saying it's more than mentorship. <laughs> there's right. there's community, there's camaraderie and, and you're going to get coached and you're going to have the ability to get your questions and challenges answered and then there's a training capacity. So it it is all of that and more. And right. it's really about the participation of a community of women that's, that's all determined to raise the level of their ability to thrive in the workplace. Well, Oh, I was Go just going to add that the whole
3: curriculum and the whole one year is anchored in the results that we found from the survey. So we're addressing those core struggles that they're going through and giving mm-hmm. them the tools, resources in numerous different fashions for them to interact with that, whether it's life-work balance or their inner critic, the confidence, all of that coming in. Too.
1: I think we're going to take our, our first uh, commercial break. And when we come back, we'll find out more about this uh, great program and maybe talk a little bit about what they expect the results to be so we'll be right back after this quick commercial break
4: has perfected a Six Sigma approach to talent management. No matter the size of the project, Decision Toolbox delivers incredible results, a cost per hire less than half of what contingency firms charge, with the winning candidate presented in an average of 14 days, all with a 12-month candidate warranty. With results like that, Decision Toolbox won't be a secret for long. Visit us at www.dtoolbox.com for more information. Welcome back to the Talent Talk
1: Radio Show. If you're uh, just joining us, we have uh, two wonderful guests in studio today. At the same time, we have Cecilia Gorman and uh, Chelsea Sabo. I've said it correctly <laughs> twice now. feel like... The rest of my month will just be easy now. am <laughs> just done. Um, as a reminder, don't forget, you can tweet any questions you have to at PeopleG2 and use that hashtag uh, talent talk. And let's go ahead and you know, kind of dive into that, that next question. And that was, what do you really hope the end result for those these women will be that participate? You know, is it their own perceived growth or is there some other measured growth? Are you hoping that they will feel better, that they will actually test better? I mean, what, what's sort of that end result?
2: So a year's worth of curriculum is a lot, right? There's going to be a lot of conversation going on um, on this, you know, pool of topics that we have. And we can talk and talk and talk till we're blue in the face, right? We can have webinars, we can have monthly calls, but we have to arm women with with a, a tangible to do so the the goal is is that we're actually giving people the know-how to be able to show up differently at work because of what they're hearing with us that we're going to go deep on topics that probably aren't in the normal training realm of what hr is going to bring in right mm-hmm. you're, you're most likely not going to talk for hours upon hours about authenticity or your inner critic you're just not because you're going to dedicate those training resources to something that's maybe a little bit bigger or a little bit broader for your employees so to give them a tangible thing to do a know-how to act and show up differently is is definitely one of our goals
3: yeah and i think when we talk about show up differently what does that look like it's stronger relationships with the people you're working with which ultimately helps the outcome of of all your projects it's a deeper passion tied to the work that you're delivering a stronger understanding of balance and boundaries and and how to set those so you can really thrive in your work so it's it's incremental Movement in all different areas.
1: And is there some level of, of because this is being kind of pulled out of the company and being done in your space? Has that become a safer space? for women does that become a place where they can go deeper into something they want to go deeper into or talk about something they want to talk about that maybe they wouldn't be as comfortable in a in the traditional work setting
2: absolutely one of the adjectives we use is just we're objective right We, we can be that voice you know the experience that I have in HR and training and coaching and the experience that Chelsea has in training and coaching like we we want to be those people that are able to to guide folks and you're absolutely right they need to feel comfortable expressing the challenges that we have so we have a closed facebook community but people can see your name when you're participating but we also are giving our members a forum to submit questions anonymously and those questions go to our advisory board we've curated 25 women um, that are executive level to help us in this coaching and mentoring program and so that question will be submitted to our board and they'll they'll give answers from their perspective so so I'm sure if one woman has a question about her career that's a little bit awkward or uncomfortable to ask, you better believe out of the whole community there are going to be other women that have that exact same question.
1: Right, right. And so you start to have uh, almost like a lot of uh, content there, right? They can go back people can look at, they can see, they can dive into, uh, they can read. It's almost like... Uh, an empowered woman's LinkedIn, almost, of right? <laughs> yeah. uh, the wall, right? Without the weird creepiness that's on there sometimes. Well, yeah, yeah,
3: and it's a cross pollination across mm-hmm. various agencies, which I think there's there's power in that, where you can offer up stuff, and you're not just within your niche and get out,
2: outside perspective on that. Yeah. And everything we do is recorded, archived, and tagged. So um, and we cock out. There's a lot of conversations going on. There's going to be webinars. There's calls. There's pop-up videos. No one can consume all of that during the workday, and we know that. So to be able to go onto our digital library and search a topic that you're struggling with right then, like maybe you just found out you were pregnant and, oh, my God, how do I, how do I become a working mother? You can go into our digital library. You can, you can search by a tag, and every conversation that we've had around that subject will come up.
1: Well, that, that sounds great. Maybe you can have like a Wine Wednesday for women. I, I can host it if you
2: need. <laughs> okay, no? <Yeah>. Very good. <laughs> well, and, and pop-up uh, events are, are going. We're not. We're serious. We will bring yeah. wine into this at All some right. point. But pop-up <laughs> events is part of our plan as well. We'll, we'll support people live.
1: Oh, that'd be great. Yeah, with
2: experts be... in various fields that really kind
3: of embrace that wholeness of life.
1: Right, right. And there's so much content out there that if you have a program where people can go, right, they can find that content and then bring in those people. That's a lot of times they just need that. I don't know if push is the right word, but they just need that place to go to, to have, you know, to make that. And if you feel safe and you feel good, then you start to do it more and becomes a habit.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm. When I think if you have a struggle at work and you lift your head up and look around, like who's going to help me with this, who's going to help me with this. And you see, you don't really readily see anyone, right? You, you may just never ask your question and you may be quietly struggling. So this is a place that you can go to and know that you have this deep community of support, women who have gone through similar things that can be there to help, direct your career
1: right right well i know there was a a kind of recent thing that happened in new york they uh, passed a law banning the ability for employers to ask about prior salary history and that sort of the idea here is they were trying to level the playing field and stop discrimination based on factors such as gender and other things so maybe for women that that feel empowered in their daily work life you know for their their life as a whole do you think that this type of movement if this catches on i mean new york and california tends to sort of lead the way with the rest of the country you know does this change any thing as far as how we how we view things in the workplace? Is that a positive step? Do you think it's irrelevant? What, what are your thoughts?
3: I, I think it's quite positive. And one of the reasons I say that is because when I we talk about with my clients, the pay gap, and you know, I, I had one client in particular, where uh, somebody reporting into her was making about 20k more. And yeah. the idea was whenever she goes to apply for a job, she's starting at this level. And women tend to have a lower base, whether it was they didn't negotiate right out the door Mm -hmm. or they took some time out to have their kids. So their numbers tend to be lower. And even our survey found that money is not a top priority. So when people are going into negotiation, you know, money is not the first thing that they're negotiating for as a woman. So what happens is, is when you apply for a job and you're starting with that base level, it can sometimes skew where you're going to end up. So the idea that that doesn't exist, I I think, is fabulous. But more so, it's also it, that's not a, just enough. The woman also has to know her worth, has to know her number, has done her research. And the the joint of both of those, I think, will ultimately continue to move women in uh, stronger equality.
1: Mm-hmm. Do you think there needs to be like some crazy, i almost, almost like an algorithm or something that would somehow solve this problem, right? Be like the number of years. It might be your education. It might be your whatever, something that could somehow figure out. Are you being paid equally? Cause you brought up some interesting points. If you took off some time from your career to go have kids and you were out for four years, just how does that impact that number? Right. And what's fair and what's not. There's so many different things in there. Right? If we look at just salary alone, is I do you know what I mean that gets to be difficult, so I'm wondering maybe there's some crazy algorithm yeah if somebody invents
2: right. that algorithm, um, I think they're going to have it made right because right. everyone's going to yeah. want a copy of that.
1: <laughs> if Google's listening that problem yeah 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 we just it, gave right? it to you I just mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, so so your company, creative Talent partners um, helps to really kind of bolster leadership and increase effectiveness for employees. So how has your work in that area helped you kind of create a framework for this new partnership that you're doing here for empowership?
2: Yeah, well, one of the things I'm trying to do in my own company is to not go into a company with just a one-and-done program. Mm -hmm. I get hired a lot for one-off workshops, and certainly people when they hear about a topic, it raises their awareness and they're poised to, t- to make change on whatever we've talked about that day. What I am starting to do is to make any workshop I do part of an extended program so there's length and longevity to the learning, so people have a chance to hear what they need to hear, go back to their desk, apply it for a while, and then come back again and get another lesson so that there's um, a three-month program or a six-month program so that they can feel supported on that particular arena for a longer period of time. So that was one of the lessons that I'm learning in my own business that we applied to Empowership, which was – How can we give women support for an entire year? Like, what does that look like? Sure, we could have just done four webinars, one a month for four months, and Mm -hmm. and talked about the things we needed to talk about. But this was like... You almost need a year for the things to actually happen to you. Maybe you get promoted in a year. Maybe you have a, a second child in a year. But there's an, there's a longer term to where these challenges are going to show up in your yeah. career.
1: It's almost like telling the kids we are going to go to Disneyland and they get really excited and you get in the car and then somehow you run, run out of gas on Catella Avenue and you don't actually get to Disneyland, right? <laughs> yeah. And you keep promising them, we're going to go. And, and that's sort of what a lot of times these programs do get people are really excited I'm going to end up in this great place I'm going to get motivated I'm going to get empowered and then we don't reach the finish line. So it sounds like you're sort of really trying to get that in there. How do you have that full experience, take them all the way through? And
2: I think it's the application part of it. We want them to learn something, to digest it, and then to go back to work and actually start applying and seeing how that works for them and then have a place to come back and ask more questions to. Right. Well, and also the accountability. Mm -hmm.
3: Now they have people there cheering them on, you know, checking in. They have goals, you know, that idea of... Really being responsible for that forward action because anybody can go to an event, but if you say, oh, that's great content and then you do nothing about it because we're all busy or whatever it is, this just helps make sure that you're checking the marks along the way.
1: Yeah, I mean, nothing's worse than going to a conference and then get you in a frenzy and you get all worked up. Yes, I'm going to do this thing. And you go back to work and you go, but I don't know how to do this thing.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which goes back to the how-tos.
1: Right, and you need all those how-tos. You need all those things kind of really, really in there. Now, since uh, Cecilia's in my book club in uh, Orange County, I should say our book club. It's not my book club. It's our book club. And I know more about you, but maybe you could kind of give everyone a little little background of kind of your walk through HR, your career of kind of how you went, got, got to this place So that I know a little bit more about you.
2: Sure. So I always say I'm, I was an accidental HR person, right. so it wasn't, wasn't in my line of sight at any time, but no matter what job I had, I always had one foot in HR's office. I always wanted to know what they were up to deep and passionate interest in coaching people and helping people. So even from my days when I started out as a print producer, mid-level manager, I wanted to know what HR was up to. So fast forward that, I started to more formally get involved with some training and development when I moved from YNR to Oakley. I was at Oakley for a while, and they had a 10-person deep training and development team. Mm-hmm. So they became my fast friends. And what are you guys working on? What can I help you with? What can I run? Where can I right. speak? And um, I was just so intrigued by it. I just never thought that I could actually work in HR and then the last agency I worked at, which was in Ocean uh, here in Huntington Beach, I had the opportunity to take a full-time training and development job. So it was going to be my responsibility 40 hours a week to train people. I was so ecstatic. And right when I took the job, the HR manager retired. So I ended up in a, having more HR responsibilities on my plate. And it gave me a deep respect for anyone in HR immediately. <laughs> right. It's an incredibly tough job um but I got to do really deep what I love to do which was to help employees try to get to a better place. It's just when you're in HR it's um, it's, it's tough. It's a tough thing to do. So um, that was my experience. And so I joined HR Book Club when I was officially in HR. And then I love reading so much. And you, of course, I've never left. I just love it. It's a great group.
1: Yeah, it's a fun group. And you, know, you brought up an interesting point about, you know, kind of helping people become better inside of companies. And it still feels like that is a foreign concept, that our f- number one focus is for us to make more money, to increase our sales, to uh, increase our profits. And those are all very important, necessary things. Things for a company to exist, and yet it is the development of our people that ultimately helps those goals in such a grander way, and yet I see people just ignore their people, they'll just, you know, let great knowledge and understanding go out the door to bring in the next you know person that they think is going to solve their problem or whatever it may be and so do you kind of see that correlation between that development and the ultimate kind of company goals as well
2: yeah well one of the things chelsea and i created coming out of um her thrive project survey was something called the thrive factors and if you go back to your days in psych 101 back in college yeah. where um you had abraham maslow's hierarchy of needs mm-hmm. our thrive factors is similar so it's a triangle and it it shows you the three layers of employee needs, and this is this is not gender specific, this is anyone, right. and foundationally what a company needs to do to get into place, the basics, at the, the bare minimum, people need to know what their job is, you need to have fair and, and competitive benefits, you need to have a, a safe environment within which to work, and identifying those things where people can actually... Thrive, And what the company needs to do to take care of their employees to be able to do so. And as you move up the triangle, you're getting into more shared responsibilities, things like um, creativity and balance. And and ultimately, you're going to get up to thriving, which is it becomes the employee's 100 percent responsibility, balance, meaning, purpose. Right. And I think you're right. There there aren't
3: enough companies doing that. And from our survey, there was 32% of women who took it said that their company does not retain their greatest talent. And that's an expensive problem for companies. Yeah. And I think the more you help your employees hit every one of those levels of the pyramid, you're going to see a lot higher retention rates. And of our non-thrivers, the, the one in three out of everybody that took it, 63% of them, of the non-thrivers, are looking for a different job. That's a lot of people, um, and so the right. more we focus on the talent...
1: Yeah. I mean, the more you do on the talent, the better you can be. I think yeah. otherwise people just sort of focus on the – you mentioned Psych 101, maybe just the Pavlov you know, experience of just giving them pizza or a ping pong table yeah. or something and then expecting everything to be okay, right? Just do the short-term stuff instead of the deeper, long-term kind of really effective things. It sounds like you guys have a really great program to at least identify a particular segment of the workforce, which is really important, and one that I'm not sure the whole lot of companies have gotten right yet or has really become – you know the golden child of women's empowerment, or you know what I mean? Really doing it because some of the biggest and best companies are in tech, and then they they struggle with diversity. They struggle with their numbers for for whatever reason. Um, you want to give them
2: <laughs> well, and we didn't want to make it just a checkbox. You know, and yeah. there's a, especially in the advertising industry, there's a huge huge spotlight on diversity initiatives. But we don't want it to be okay. Check our agency did a diversity workshop today. Um, Right. We don't want to make it an easy, easy one off thing for them. So that's where we're trying to come from. Let's let's make this a real investment in talent that is that feels like you're really doing something to move the needle.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, And Chelsea, what about you? What's, what's sort of your, your deeper background? We went sure. into Cecilia's here. How about you?
3: Yeah, so I had about 10 years in advertising marketing sales. The last five of those were spent at the Walt Disney Company. And during that time, I've just always had this deep passion for helping others and working with others. And I did a lot of um, volunteering. I was at, so I served on several boards. And it just it wasn't enough of an outreach. I wanted that right. one-on-one. So during my time at Disney, Disney, I got certified as a career and life coach and, and spent about a year in that program. And then for the last five or six years have really anchored and just followed where the breadcrumbs led and it it came to the creation of verbal courage and that's where i am loving it and enjoying that that one-on-one with women but then also in the group setting with with workshops and helping women find their voice find their authenticity and and i got to do the same during that journey which was a good growth and lessons and I'm, i'm bringing all of them into the work that i do
1: and Cecilia's in Orange County. You're at Santa Monica. Mm-hmm. And so are, for both of you, your clients tend to be a bit more localized, or are they just kind of all over the place and it, it's sort of irrelevant where they're located?
3: For my... I, I tend to be in the L.A. advertising area space, right. space mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. with companies and workshops and webinars, but mm. my... There's
1: only a few of those.
3: <laughs>
2: but but my one-on-one clients are, are across the globe. Okay. Yeah, we, we have the good fortune that... Um, agencies and companies that are investing in their talent can go anywhere. So we're a plane right away. But obviously there's a huge market just here in Orange County in LA to keep us busy. So it's a little it is a little bit of both.
1: Yeah. Well and with this new venture it sounds like things are going well and that may continue to grow and we talked about a few good ideas. Maybe you can can expand on that, and that could be a great uh, thing that you're doing. Well, I think it might be uh, time for take our last uh, commercial break, and we'll get to the last few questions here the the, the nitty gritty, the good stuff. So we'll be right back with uh, Cecilia and uh, Chelsea after this quick commercial break. Thank you.
4: Imagine buying a newspaper and discovering that the news you're reading is six months old. There isn't much that stays the same for six months. And the same thing goes for background checks. In a time when so much outdated information is being passed around, it's good to know that People G2 offers something different. At People G2, we provide today's intelligence, not yesterday's news. Our value-added approach offers you a fully FCRA-compliant solution that includes up-to-the-minute information by combining industry-leading technology with old school human investigation people g2 is able to give you information that is accurate right now delivered quickly to our online system or integrated with your hr system so ask yourself are you comfortable working with old news or are you ready for a different kind of background check company visit peopleg 2com or call 800-630-2880 that's 800-630-2880 or people g2.com
1: all right, welcome back. Here in the last segment on the Talent Talk Radio Show, we have uh, Cecilia Gorman and we have Chelsea Sabo, uh, both here from Empowership, and we are just in the home stretch here. We're going to kind of get the last few questions. Want to make sure we get some of our favorite questions. But first, you know, I thought maybe I'd ask both of you uh, this question. Love to hear your answers. Um, you know, as successful businesswomen, what have you learned the most about leadership and empowering the talent around you?
2: Uh, for me. I think what was most eye-opening when I became a manager was realizing that it wasn't just about, you know, what was written in the job description, that there was this underlying sense of of realizing I had a responsibility for other people's lives. Right? Right. And it sounds so big and huge, but that someone else's career was in my hands there for a little while. And that's, that's a pretty huge responsibility. And I, I think the more that people realize that, Being a manager is just so much more than what you think it's going to be and that the, the sooner you realize you've actually gotten two jobs when you've gotten that promotion that, you know, one of them gets you a title and gets you more pay, but the other one is you've got this responsibility to help lead and motivate and inspire other people so they it's it's like a legacy you're leaving almost
1: yeah you're, you're in charge of their trajectory you're in charge even of almost their short-term happiness yeah, right i mean things aren't going well in your department or with them that you know, you go home and think about it at night, and yeah, it's you know, that's
2: yeah, absolutely. Gallup tells us, you know, number one dissatisfaction with employees when they say when they're disengaged is their manager, right? right. So that you can't—that's a huge part of it. Yeah,
1: bad, bad managers really kind of brings in a lot, a lot of stuff. It was a real interesting study uh, in a book called All In. I don't know if you've read it or not, but they talked about this hospital group, I think in the Bay Area in California, and they took all of the managers from all the departments and they switched them, and so there was departments that were low-performing and there were departments that were high-performing. What they found is when they switched the managers, the low-performing group, that manager, when they moved to the high-performing group, that group became Mm low-performing. So it wasn't the people and it wasn't the training and it wasn't their process. It was just a crappy manager. Absolutely.
2: (laughs) Right. So part of my business is coaching new and struggling managers. I don't think I will ever have a lack of business. That's
1: right. Well, and what about you?
2: Yeah,
3: for me, I... Especially, and I see this a lot more with with coaching managers and this idea that there's an anxiety that I'm a manager. Now, all of a sudden, I have to be somebody different. I have to take on all these different traits. I have to show up differently. I can't make mistakes. I have Mm -hmm. to. And then almost they become like a facade, a fake fake person, and employees can't relate to them. They're afraid to come to them. So... But but in reality, that just causes greater disconnect. So the more you can embrace who you are as a manager, bring in all of your traits and allow others to do the same, you're going to hit that next level.
1: Yeah, and you talked about mistakes and I love that one because we want our people to tell us about the mistakes that they, they're making because we can help them. We can, you know, find adjustments and fine fine tune things. We can it's a great chance to mentor them, right? Yeah. And yet if as leaders if we're not admitting our mistakes first, cuz that's one of the ones that is in my opinion will always be a top down thing. If the top is not admitting what they've done wrong, the bottom will never yeah. feel safe enough Absolutely. to do that. And it's so important, right? It's so so important that we go out there. We In my company, we have a room. It's called Oops, I Did It Again. And so anyone goes in there and they admit their mistakes. Mm -hmm. I did this stupid thing today. And sometimes it's just silly stuff. It's not a big deal. And sometimes it's like, you know, yeah, I said this stupid thing to a client today. And then, you know, Chris had to correct me, you know, whatever whatever the thing was. And then we learn from it. And so, but people have to do that. And it's, I'm glad you guys are mentoring people to do that and to helping crappy managers i probably should. Well shouldn't. we're going
2: to steal your idea now though too. Do it.
1: Do it. And i you know what i learn all my good stuff i learned from somebody else so it's not original <laughs> it's not mine. It's not mine. But um you know so we, can i maybe get back to the survey here for a second um based on those survey results what what have you seen or what do you feel is do you think there's a, the tide is changing at all? You know, when it comes to, to talented women becoming recognized within the the organization, and they just need maybe a bit more help uh, to, to get where we expect them to be, or where they expect them to be, or is there something else going on there?
3: Uh, let's see. If, let's see if I answer answer this uh, accordingly. But so, so basically, I believe there's external changes that are absolutely awareness. People are talking. I think mm-hmm. you know the kind of old school boys club is, is no longer going to be acceptable in some terms, you know, just because people are talking about it and there's internal changes, or at least I'd say awareness. So that's great. And all of those, doors are opening, but I think programs like ours, and there's there's so much self-help stuff out there, it's it's really also the woman empowering her, and, and her self-worth, and her belief, and the more she believes she's great, she's going to be able to show up great, so once again, it's it's both factors working together at the same time, mm-hmm. but I think now is such an awesome opportunity to do all that, and there's more opportunity for that than there might have been 10 years ago, 15 years ago, for sure, so... The tide's changing in those terms, but it's still everybody's responsibility.
2: Oh, and I I just think generationally things are changing. So the way people were appreciated and recognized and maybe ultimately promoted was... uh, so different five or 10 years ago than it's going to be in five to 10 years because millennials have different needs they their need to be recognized their their need to be invested in and to know that somebody is training and development they have a shorter tolerance than we did right they won't stand for that if they aren't getting the tools that they need in a job they'll just mm-hmm. they'll jump. So the idea being that you proactively invest in people at a level that, that works for them and m- allows them to find deeper purpose and meaning in their jobs, right? That it's, It has to change.
1: Right. It does feel like there's some level of you said, awareness or sort of change within society. I mean, this may be a stupid example, but I think about chefs. So most people, if you have a very um, traditional or very old antiquated thought process about, you know, who does the cooking at home? Right? It would be the, the mom and yet we have these celebrity chefs which are all male like that to me like was like wh- what what <laughs> yeah. wouldn't they be all female if like if it so but yet over time I would say in the last 10 years especially there are so many celebrity female chefs that that's suddenly now become more of a thing There's not a quality but it's certainly the, the parody's gotten much better and so that starts to change and yet then you have this other idea where uh, no one seems to be talking about this that 75% of all teachers are female. And are we okay with that? Is that is that a, a, is that a, something that should be addressed? Like should the, should that inequality for men or or sort of overwhelmingly is that, you know, too much of a considered a women a woman's, you know, profession? And so how do we does that need to change? Or do we get to some level where we say, well, there are certain jobs where we that's just natural and that's fine. What, what, what do well, you
2: think? I, uh, so, nurses, teachers. Right, there's these right. jobs, right? That you And even HR, I feel like a lot of times. Uh, do you
1: think that? You're absolutely right.
2: Right, so we're perpetuating our own bias by just the Mm -hmm. way that it is so recognizing it being that way but also giving it's it's all about what are we teaching and showing the next generation so the next generation of people that are going to fill all those jobs what is their perspective on being a teacher or what's their perspective on being Mm -hmm. a chef or being you know being a nurse so I, i i think that we can talk about it in the workplace but you really need to be moving a generation or two down and giving kids exposure to what's out there for them. And the less it becomes about gender-driven, the better. Yeah, right. and I think
3: it's it's really, what are your gifts? What are you interested about? And I think those conversations are happening down at the lower, you know, younger generations. Um, but but the idea that if, if you do like caretaking and you're a male and you want to go into nursing, great. Right. And it's it's not a gender role. It's more of a, hey, what are you good at? What do you want to do?
1: Yeah, I mean, maybe the ideal I guess that's why my question was, is there an ideal? Is there ideal that there isn't a gender-specific job, that we don't think of it that way? Or is it that we maybe accept and say, well, there are certain jobs that may be more gender-specific and we're okay with that? And I don't know what the answer is to that. I mean, I don't I don't see us trying to get a lot of women into construction jobs, right? So is that a problem or is that not a problem? I you know what I mean?
2: Yeah. I, I agree, and I and, and I'm dumbfounded because I don't know what to say. So I think it's it's yeah. both of those things
3: are right. true. It's
1: just part of the. It, yeah. I'm it's part of the discussion. Yeah, I didn't mean to dumbfound you. you know,
3: I, I also think it's if there's women that are trying to become construction workers and they're not allowed to be, I think that's a right. different issue. If right. it's there's not that many women applying for that because of the whatever physical labor, whatever it is, right. um, that's fine. Or if, you know, a lot of women tend to have that soft nurturing touch. And if they're going into fields that are a little bit different that, that mm-hmm. call that and, and require that, you know?
1: Right. So, right. Well, I know we talked about the book club a couple of times. And so I want to make sure we ask uh, my favorite question, which is, um, hopefully you each have separate answers, but uh, is there a book that you're reading right now that you might share with us?
2: I just finished The Year of Yes, which okay. I love. So that's Shonda Rhimes. She's the executive producer of my favorite show, Grey's Anatomy. and She has a few shows, so Scandal. I wasn't sure which one you were going to mention. Yeah. <laughs> How to Her, Get Away with Murder. Of, yes. She did
1: Private Practice. Absolutely. She so she's on
2: fire. And she's an introvert. Those
1: did The Princess Diaries, too, I believe. I think so. Yeah. Okay.
2: And first of all, she's an amazing writer. So you're like laughing out loud with her. You're cringing. You're crying. So she was so introverted that she actually kind of closed up and sheltered her life to a point where uh, someone called her on her. Her sister called her on her. She's Mm -hmm. like, "You, you don't say yes to anything. Right. And that question alone kind of shook her to her core. So she decided she was going to have a year of saying yes. And it, it was it's an excellent book. I would highly recommend it to anyone.
1: Good. And have you gotten into this month's book club session no, yet? I don't feel like I got 7 days. I got 7 days. You have days. 7 days to read music. <laughs> Ophelia, I got it. Okay. All right, how about you?
3: I'm rereading The Gifts of Imperfection by Brené Brown and I think mm-hmm. anything by Brené Brown is, is awesome. fabulous and a must read yeah. but but this one in particular is it's a short and quick and easy read so for anybody you Sign know super up. busy it's <laughs> it's great but it, it just gives you permission to be who you are mm-hmm. and some really unique tools and concepts and, and rethinking things that we've been talking about, whether it's calmness, stillness, you know, balance or embracing your creativity and just playing all of these things that we've talked about, but how do you really own it and, and make it your own and then allowing you to be yourself and okay right. with that.
1: And how does that, um, maybe compare to, I think probably most people, if they know B'nai Brown, they read Daring Greatly. So mm-hmm. is that, is it very different sort of in its... Uh, structure or, or maybe what it's talking about?
3: Yeah, so I would say it's it's different in its structure. It's quick, short chapters, so it's probably one third the size of Daring Greatly, right. and it obviously a lot of her work overlaps and touches on one of the, whether it's vulnerability and and all of this. But um, I, I think it's just the method itself, the concept, and overall living to your highest potential in an authentic right. way is there. But I guess for me, this was the chapters that were topic driven.
1: Her books are usually the ones that I might suggest for someone who's struggling with being able to admit mistakes, being able to admit, because usually it's a vulnerability thing. They don't want to look vulnerable. That's really the kind of deeper thing. And so I've given a few of those books to people who look at me strangely like, <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, yeah. And it doesn't even just come down to admitting mistakes. It might be admitting your feelings or admitting mm-hmm. your honesty, you know, and, and just kind of
1: being seen. Right. Yes. Right. Well, you both have mentioned a, just a ton of awesome things. I'm sure someone could listen to this 100 times and get something new out of it every time from all the great things you guys have mentioned. But if there was one thing that you really wanted somebody to remember, if they were only going to remember one thing, they have some neurological disorder, they can only remember <laughs> one thing at a time, What what is that one thing that you really want them to take away from this conversation today? Cecilia? Uh, uh,
2: for me, it's that in, investing in employees, um, doesn't have to be difficult there that that we're offering a solution that's easy and relevant and progressive and encompassing and i think when when at at least the hr directors i know when you when you think about how am i going to develop my employees it's kind of a daunting thing because you know maybe you do have a budget maybe you don't maybe you have 300 employees or 50 employees and it's it's this puzzle you have to put put together Mm -hmm. so for me it's it's knowing that there's a resource out there that actually really aims to make an hr director's job easier with something that's even better than they could have done themselves
1: right and how about you chelsea yeah
2: for me
3: it's also humanizing the the career growth And, and how do you, you know, there are ways to do that and it's where it has to go. So look from an HR director standpoint, you have your employees and you want to bring them up. It, it goes beyond surface techniques. We really got to work on what's going on inside of them. It's to, to really help them reach that next level. So there's a whole progressive step that needs to be taken to, to really enhance employees direction.
1: Well, great. Well, um, how can people get a hold of you if they're interested in working with you individually or they want to know more about Empowership? What's the best way for them to reach each of you? Um,
2: Empowership.me is our website. And um, LinkedIn, obviously, is a great place. And then our email for Empowership is admin at Empowership.me. But there's, um, we have packets that can be downloaded specifically for hr directors on our site so if they want to hear more about it and then there's links to to contact us and set up a call on on our site
1: great how about you Charles?
2: uh so it's the
3: same she uh cecilia gave for both of us so that's our team in powership contact
1: perfect well, hopefully you can reach out to them if you're interested in learning more. I want to really thank both of my guests today, Cecilia Gorman and Chelsea Itzabo, but it's spelled S-Z-A-B-O, which is why I've been celebrating my ability to say it correctly, um, in case you want to look any of them up on LinkedIn or wherever. Um, hopefully you've gained something that you can use in your own career in a positive way. Um, next get, next week, my guests will be Val Brown, founder of Visual Bridge Communications, and also uh, Paul Claxton, CEO and founder of Reciprocity R-O-I. So until then, do what you love and show the world how talented you can be today.
0: You've been listening to Talent Talk Radio, brought to you by People G2.